Are you ready to make this decision? Oh, no, I've slept enough or okay. the lack of sleep. <laughs> <laughs> you still a nail biter? Uh, I have a little bit, not, not of late. Well, you've had everybody else biting their nails, so I guess it's time for them to stop chewing. The answer to the question everybody wants to know. LeBron, what's your decision? Um, in this fall, man, this is, this is very tough. Um, in this fall, I'm going to take my talents to South Beach and um, join the Miami Heat. Miami Heat. That was the conclusion you woke up with this morning. That was the conclusion I woke up with this morning. Why? Um, People, like what's happening? What up with it? What you know good and what it do? We'd like to thank you for tuning in and spending your time with us. You're listening to Pulling Back the Curtain podcast, the most provocative, the most entertaining, the baddest podcast in the land. We're hitting you with the dopest topics, the rawest opinion while giving you straight up facts. That's right, no fake news here. I'm Jewel St. James. I'm Dead Press. I'm Novak. We give a sight to the blind, ladies and gentlemen. On today's pod, we'll be pulling back the curtain on LeBron James' infamous decision to leave Cleveland in 2010. Fellas, what's pop? Man, two, two thousand, that was 10 years ago, huh? Yeah. Man, time fly. 10 years ago, uh, several, TV, several TVs ago since I saw it on TV. Uh, man, that's before everything. <laughs> that, was, that, that was when I had a hairline. Shit. Oh, man. I still got a hairline, man. What you talking about? <laughs> man, shit, it's, just, it's a struggle bus over here, brother. Man. <laughs> struggle bus. <laughs> yeah, man, you still dapper, man. You still dapper. Man, I appreciate you, man. You gentleman hey, and a solid era. Hey, man, it's just here. It don't matter, man. Yeah, it's, you know what? We just cut it off anyway. We brothers, you know. Yeah, it's true. Except for LeBron. Not me. Let me stop. <laughs> <laughs> man, but you know what, guys, man? It's, it's been interesting, man. So, you know, there's been a lot of foolishness going on in, in, in the world right now. And one of the things that we didn't touch on because, you know, we did our two-part series, uh, True Crime, on uh, Steve McNair. But just know, uh, our listeners, we didn't forget about some of this fuckery that's been going on out here. We have not talked about what's going over there at Barstool on the day four night. Fellas, have you guys seen this shit? Yeah, I've seen it. I mean, he should stay away from black. He should stay away from black paint. That's all I got to say in that one. <laughs> Don't do it. This is the thing, man. You know what? And we were talking about this earlier, man. The stuff that you do in the past will come back to haunt you, man. Receipts will always come back and bite your ass. So he, like my, my guy Portnoy, thought that it was funny to be uh, using the N-word and making his little racial remarks about Colin Kaepernick, and guess what? Now everybody coming back after him. But I don't know why anybody would be surprised, man, because that's kind of how Barstool Sports has made their their fame. You know, they 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 uh, they pander to the bros and people that, you know, that think that kind of shit is funny. So I don't know, man, but it just, it's really interesting when you look at that situation, you know, in its entirety and for what it is. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty sad. And this guy says that he's uncancelable. Like, really, bro? Well, he yeah, feels that way. I don't yeah, think that's how so. He feel. Yeah, that's how he feel. I mean, the the like you said, 2016. He 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 said Kaepernick looked like an ISIS guy. He said he didn't think he was he was black. That's what he told his. <laughs> that's what he told his people. He didn't know Colin Kaepernick was black, and he thought he was he was Arabic. Uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, if you don't know, then don't comment about it. That's the situation. Go educate yourself. Find out. You know, before you say something, you can't take back. That's true. Yeah, and, and on top of it, before, I don't even know if you guys looked at the video, but I watched it, and this man said, so I'm going to say something racist. Anytime mm -hmm. you start a conversation like that, man, you already know that shit's going fucking sideways. Yeah. It, like you said, it, now ain't the, 
if if they go if people going back 30 and 40 years you did some 30 40 years just think a few years ago you say something uh especially racist or racial you know and then you know you're still out here in this limelight man people gotta be careful no kidding on that you know what the one thing that i wanted to say i wanted to give a shout out one of the uh, employees of barstool he actually quit behind uh what happened it was a white employee and he basically just said, man, he would never sell his soul for a check. Man, I respect that type of viewpoint 100%. And honestly, with us, you know, building this Pulling Back the Curtain podcast, and this is something that we're doing on our own with no corporate backing, I respect an individual that is getting a corporate check, and he could just walk away from that and say, man, fuck that shit. Yeah, it takes a, take a lot of heart and courage to do that, to walk away from something you know is wrong, despite the fact that he's getting paid, because, you know, he's going to be better in the long term for taking a stand against it. It might actually help put more light on the situation and say, hey, something wrong happened here and you need to you need to clean this up. I mean at least say you know, at least apologize about it and keep it moving at this point. And then you know the court of public opinion is going to accept your apology and then it is what it is. But I think right now, you know, you're right about that press. These receipts are coming back big time. Oh yeah, man, they they taking people out left and right. And any guy that says he's uncancelable, I mean and the fact that he said that is because he knows that he's he's built a brand so big with that type of audience that they'll rally behind that kind of thinking. You know, yeah. it's just it's really crazy. It's you know, I mean, it's un, it's unfortunate, but yeah, there's a plethora of people that 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 like his views. Yeah. <laughs> so. Hey, you know what, guys? Did you guys even peep? They have a um, they have a podcast on there uh, with uh, it's, it's two black hosts. I forget the name of it. It might be called the Two Bigs or something like that. I can't remember, but it's with a guy Brandon Newman and then a former NFL player Willie Colon. So they they call themselves like the BET show of, of Barstool, right? So I thought it was kind of interesting that Brandon Newman, one of the hosts of that show, he kind of went after Portnoy on Twitter a little bit, made some comments back and forth, kind of like criticizing him. And Portnoy challenged this kid and said, "If you think I'm racist, then you should quit." So my whole thing is, if your boss doesn't respect you enough that he only apologize after you put him on blast on your podcast, you know, because they put him on blast a little bit, then he gives like a half-hearted, you know, kind of apology. I'm sure he only did that just because it was a damage control move on his part. But then you basically tell the guy, if you feel like I'm so racist, then quit. Like, that's some crazy shit when you think about it. Like, instead of, like, coming at the guy and saying, man, let's sit down and let's talk and let's try to hash this out, he kind of doubled down on it. Well, yeah, he, pretty much, like you say, we told him, if you don't like it, quit. That's what he told him. Right. But he just, he just, he just dressed in a, in a little nicer way. But that's, what these, say- but that's what these people, man, he, 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 listen, you can't change these people hard, man. Uh, that's how they feel, then that's how they feel. Hey. At the end of the day, it's like, all right, this this dude's true mo- true uh, uh, motive, and that's how he feel. I guess the thing that I struggle with with that is, how does the white employee take a stand while these two guys that have this podcast, not only do they stay on this platform, but then they had an episode where they spelled out the, the N-word. And they basically then tried to use this controversy as a way to get more clicks for their, for their podcast. So instead of like them taking a stand, all they did was basically help Portnoy make even more money and notoriety for his platform. So that's the thing that I have a problem with. I, I do agree mm-hmm. with you, Jules. You can't change what's in somebody's heart. What's in their heart is what's in their heart. Hopefully, you know, you would think that people over time would learn, you know, that, you know, there's many different ways that, you know, people operate in this world. But 
that's not the conversation for this podcast, but I just find that hard to believe. With the, uh, it, is it is it is it a money situation? Is it likes? Is it fame? No no notoriety, you know what I'm saying? I right. How can somebody you you sit up here, your brother and this dude talking 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 smack, at least go in on him, you know what I'm saying, check him and then, you know, do your own thing. Don't help this man out. Get more likes and stuff like that and uh, build his platform even even greater. You know. I, I, I just think what it comes down to is it comes down to money. And I think that these individuals, yep. they've worked hard to get on that network. And let's be honest, Barstool's built a, a big following, right? So mm-hmm. they probably feel like, hey, we've arrived. But at the same time, I've had some people that I've talked to about this off to the side. And they say, well, they don't think that those guys should left, left leave the show because they should fight. But I kind of feel like, how are you fighting when you basically got your hand out taking money from the person that don't respect you and you helping him that become even more rich? That is true. So. But they, you know, if they only know, they holding the keys. They're a piece of that puzzle now. You take that away, this dude, they might not be that, might not be that popular. Go their separate ways. This is, I think this is a lesson, lesson learned here, a lesson tool for people to like, okay, you know what? Let us do our own thing. We can start our own thing and branch off and get things cracking that way. We don't need dude. We got, we, we, we got the foot in the door. So, hey, when we go, when we go our separate ways, if he can't respect you. And that's exactly it, man, because if a guy basically tells you, if you don't like it, quit, that's that's not somebody that respects you and what you bring mm-hmm. to the table. Nope. <laughs> nope. Okay. Watch so, my back, bro. Yeah, so so the thing about it is, you're right, Jules. I think in that situation, these guys, you guys have built a, a following. Take that shit mm-hmm. and go somewhere else. Go somewhere else. Shit, do your own thing, man. I don't know, man. That's crazy. Fuck you, uh, Dave Portnoy, and anything that you <laughs> associate yourself with. Any of our listeners, if you like that show, fuck you too. Because <laughs> oh man, what's in your what's in your what's in your drink? <laughs> nah, it's just orange juice over here, man. I'm just telling you, man. I'm just I told you, man. I we, we've been quiet on some of this stuff, man. I'm just, oh, man. just a lot of bullshit going on. Well, now speaking speaking of bullshit, what's up with y'all boy Kanye? <laughs> Oh boy! Oh man! Which part? The presidential, uh, the presidential announcement, or just in general? Uh, I would say the presidential na- uh, announcement, and then we could probably work our way backwards. That could probably be four hours, but yeah. <laughs> well, I, I don't. I, I just hey, Nobe, go ahead, and take this one, Nobe, man. <laughs> well, you know, he always joked about running for president, and you know, no one really took him serious about it. And then all of a sudden, he's missed all the deadlines to, you know, to submit to be a candidate for presidency everywhere. So this is just him just wanting to create some attention. I mean, he got a new album coming. So part of this is because there's a new album coming. He, you know, he's going to, you know, I don't know whether someone from the other camp paid him to basically throw his hat into the presidential ring. But, you know, if he does this, this does pretty much hurt Biden a lot more than anybody else in this situation. I mean, it's not going to hurt Trump. It's going to hurt Biden. Because you know, there you know, Kanye's got a, a following out there, whether you like it or not, in this situation. There's people out there that, that drink that juice. I like him as an artist. Other stuff, yeah, he can keep the other stuff. But you know, musically, musically he's gifted, but you know, he's probably just having another episode right now, something's not right with him. And you know, he'll probably drop out, you know, before he even gets in. I don't, I, I think he's just running his mouth right now. It's just Kanye talking. I mean, sometimes you just got to mute them and just say when the album coming. That's what I do. Yeah, I, I agree. I piggyback off that, dude. I think, like you said, you got an album coming out. That shit, I think that 
album cover is something like what uh, God's country or something like that. Or, so it kind of so it kind of relate to what he's doing. So it's like I don't think he's serious about it. I hope yeah, not. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a publicity stunt. Yeah. It's a stunt. Simple and plain. I I think the thing is is that a lot of people um in this country and I'm getting ready to go in again. A lot of you people um you guys look at a situation with Kanye West and you don't look at like the genius behind him, meaning this guy's a marketing person. This is not him wanting to be president. He don't care about that shit. He wants you people talking about him. And that's what he basically <laughs> accomplished, right? Um, he's calculated. And that's just the way I see it. I agree. I agree. It, it, it's marketing at its finest right now. He, mm. he got, he got trend, his trending on uh, Twitter and everything it went crazy. He, he plays he plays everybody into his bullshit, to be honest with you, because he says something we all watch. Even if you don't like him, people are just like, oh, my God, he just said something stupid. But the thing about mm-hmm. it is he's on your mind. He's on your mind. He's in your thoughts. And he basically is he's on your he's, he's on all your media media devices. Wherever you listen to music at, he's showing up. He uh, he said he's going to drop out by midnight. That never happened. He released one single. And that single basically outpaced uh, outpaced six nine single. Yep. Now, now Takashi six oh, wow. nine basically was on top of the charts. And most of these artists are upset and they feel it, you know, and going and getting angry. But Kanye comes out and eclipses him, and like thirty minutes drops one single. It's not it's not a very good single, but the fact that he releases music and people go crazy because you know he's so artsy in terms of like his style and his delivery, and he already had the controversy going. People listen to his music to hear what he's going to say. If it's stupid, then they're going to say it's stupid. But everybody's going to listen to Kanye's song one time. And then some people go back and listen to it again. Yeah, I, I'll just say this, man. I, I'm, I'm not taking any of this uh, presidential announcement stuff seriously. But if I were to just basically say one thing about it, he would have to run as an independent from what I saw. And yeah. then he's going to have to get signatures and to even be on right. the ballot themselves. Because I mm-hmm. think the deadline passed, right? It passed. Yeah, it passed. Well, oh. well, Yeezy Supply, which is that's that's where he sells his shoes and stuff outside Adidas, and then he signed that huge uh, huge deal with the Gap. He does have a platform to get the signatures because if he goes, you know, the partnership with the Gap is huge. You know, even though the Gap is not as powerful as they used to be, he has he he can get those signatures pretty quick. I mean, I don't think it's an issue of getting the signatures. I just don't like the way he's doing it. I don't like the context of why he's doing it. No, yeah, no, you're definitely right about that, too. And you know what was kind of funny, too? Uh, your boy 45, he didn't even take the shit serious. My man was just like, oh, that was cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, well, you know you know how 45 is, man. 45 don't give a damn. I mean, 45 right now, he's, he's you know, he's, he's you know, he just helped Roger Stone out. You know, he got his boy sent home. You know, he's he's out there flossing. You know, in that situation, I don't think he—I don't think he's worried. I don't think he's worried about not getting reelected at this point. He's not worried about it. He's doing other stupid shit. He's—he's he's been playing golf during the pandemic, so he don't really care. He plays golf almost every weekend, so he's—he's not—he's not concerned right now. If this economy roars back the way it's supposed to roar back, it's all about money at the end of the day. If, if people are making money working, there's mm-hmm. no complaining. You right? Yeah, I mean, uh, money talks, right? At the end of the day. Yeah, money money's bigger than social justice on in this world. I mean social justice is what we need, but money money's the root of money. all evil, man. You know. Well, I'll I'll say this money it will sabotage any sort of efforts with social justice. We're seeing that in the NBA right now. But man, speaking of money, 
you guys see Patrick Mahomes get the bag? Oh, man. Yeah, I saw it. I'm casual. <laughs> he said, I'm sorry. All right, no bet. Go ahead, man. Uh, it's like, the thing is, Patrick Mahomes has been injured a lot, you know, in that situation. And I don't, I'm, I'm not quite sure how much of that money, how much of that money is guaranteed. I think, I think, you know, NFL contracts always scare me because they say you're getting 500 million. He might make 180, 190 of that, to be honest with you, because it ain't like the NBA. The NBA money's guaranteed for real. You're going to get your 200, 300 million dollars. That's Stephen Curry. He's still getting money. But you know, NFL deals, I don't I don't get all hype about them because there's so many clauses in their contracts. You need two attorneys just to understand how much money he's really gonna get right now. So um that's a good point that you brought up, Novak. Uh so his contract, he had it written in that he gets 141 million in guarantees in the event of injury. So even if he doesn't basically play any uh, uh significant time under that contract, he's guaranteed to walk away with 141. Of that, uh, okay. was it 503 million? Yeah, 503. So, my thing wow. is, you're definitely right about that because NFL uh, players versus NBA and baseball players, I mean, those baseball players, they're the man, they, they make out like freaking bandits, man, with those contracts. But they played 162 games, though. You know, you 162 games, you should get more money. And yeah, but you, but you, but you standing around most of the time. I mean, yeah, unless you're a pitcher or a shortstop. And you right. actually doing a little bit of work. Or the catcher. I always thought the catcher had the, the worst uh, the worst job. I, I yeah, right? Man, well, on they, the knees, man. Well, they do. Yeah. I, I saw Carlton Fitz recently, and he, limped, he walked like he could barely get up and down the stairs. That's years of squatting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's before they even put those uh, um, them sponges behind the uh, back, them back of the legs. Oh, yeah, that's right. Out. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Yep. To take some of that strain off. You yeah. Know? Yeah, but you, I'll say this. The last thing I'll say about the Mahomes deal, man, I thought it was a pretty team-friendly contract because a lot of the uh, the guaranteed money can be converted to, like, uh, roster bonuses, which then would allow them to have cap space to sign players and whatnot. So I think the beauty of this deal is that Mahomes wants to build a dynasty there in KC. And so, you know, mm-hmm. this contract initially at least allowed them to be able to retain talent because you saw in, in New England they were only able to – keep that dynasty going is because Brady was on all those team Philly uh, deals. I mean, Brady was severely underpaid all those years. Right. Mm-hmm. But it allowed, right. You say it's allowed a team to go out and get other uh, top of uh, prospects. Yeah. Yeah. So man, it, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I'm, I'm not even going to discuss the, the bears angle with that. That's, that's child's play at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know you want to say something, man. Cause uh, I know, cause I know also what, what his, uh, with the contract, he also get a one point two five million if you reach the Super Bowl. If, if you reach it, you don't have to get a win; he can reach it. And also, if you win uh, NFL MVP, you get another one point two five. See, so he he got a lot of clauses in there that that can mm-hmm. help that thing rack up. He gonna get another MVP. He's gonna get to another Super Bowl. Oh, I mean, of course right, he is. He is. He is. They already know that. I mean, like, he's got about two or three more Super Bowls left in him. I mean, you can see it. I mean, he. I just worry about his knees, and I worry about. The fact that he's a quarterback and, you know, if you look at the Cam Newton experience and everybody else, you know, from being a, a black quarterback in the NFL, their shelf life is so short and it, it's so frustrating to watch how they treat these quarterbacks after winning the MVP. Remember, Randall Cunningham won the MVP and now he's a chaplain you know, for, the Denver, you know, for, you know, for the Denver Broncos. No, no, the Raiders. He's the Raiders, the Vegas, yeah. The Vegas, the Vegas Raiders. Sorry about that. Yep. 
And, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting. So, I mean, you know, quarterbacks in the NFL, especially black quarterbacks in the NFL, have a short, uh, a short shelf life. And you just you just hope that he's able to, you know, to buck that trend. I mean, we saw Donovan McNabb be great for a long time, get to one Super Bowl, and after that they kind of abandoned him in that situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, Donovan was at the top of his game, even though T.O. even though even though T.O. had a lot to say about him not being who he thought he was. You know, I just I just hope he's successful at it. You know, I you know, I'm not a Chiefs fan, but I'm a Mahomes fan. You know, I you know, we gotta get that type of bag. I hope he does well. And uh, they need to get an offensive line to support that guy. Because to your uh, point, uh, Novak, that injury that he suffered last year, he took a lot of hits. Yeah. You got to protect your franchise quarterback. Well, yeah, you definitely got to protect him now. Give him a 503 mil. Man. 10 uh, years. They got that dude man. locked down to 2031. 2031. Damn, Ooh. I can't even, 11 years. I get, I I get nauseous thinking that. about that. 2031, you talking about hairlines, man. We're going to be looking like uh, <laughs> we're looking like the barbershop quartet out of uh, Harlem Lace. But no, 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 we're coming to the market at that point. <laughs> hey, I still had that banger on me, though. Um, so, <laughs> there you go, Dan. So okay. the, the last thing that I wanted to touch on, um, and Novak, you probably have a lot to say about this, uh, McCour Maker went over to uh, Howard. He committed to Howard. He chose Excellent. Howard over uh, – University of Kentucky, UCLA. I mean that. Excellent. That move was that was exactly that was excellent. What, what you guys thought about that one? I think it's a great move, but he got to bring more people with him in mm-hmm. that situation. I mean, you, you know, one player. I don't care if it's Kentucky, whoever. If you ain't bringing a top flight, you know, list of recruits with you, it ain't gonna happen. I mean, you know, it, I think it's good. I think it's good for Howard. We should have been doing that the whole entire damn time. I remember when I was in high school, we joked about that. You know, about what if, um, you know, what if we all decided to go somewhere like a Howard or you decided to go to Hampton or somewhere like that. And that's always been a joke in AAU circles. But it's, but it's now serious because the problem with going to Howard is Howard ain't got the facilities yet, but uh, McCurry can basically go there and he can help usher in that type of, you know, presence with Nike or Adidas or somebody, probably Nike. You know, again, Nike had probably touched uh, Howard. Nike's always wanted to part of uh, Howard. They just never took it, you know what I mean, in that situation. I mean, Howard is a, is a, you know, it's a great school to visit. I, I've been there before. I like the university. I like the campus and everything. They could do it. They could do it, I mean, in that situation. I think it's at least gets them on TV, gets them on ESPN, which is the start of breaking that whole wall down at this point. They ain't gonna win, they're not going to win a national championship because there's too much talent out there that they don't have. But this is a good start in the right direction. Excellent start. Excellent start. I couldn't agree with you more, man. When I when I read this and saw what this young brother doing and stuff, I said, man, we, we, like, I, I, we talk we talk all the time about these issues and stuff like that. We we're a product. Not only I'm not you know less than what a black people in, a, in general in a whole bring so so much beauty to anything that we want to put our minds to it and anything that these people have out there, we should have been doing this. Now, how is a, a university like, like Novak, like you said, not known for doing your big uh, levels of uh, basketball, bringing in sponsors and stuff like that. But if you get more talent, this top five-star recruit talents here coming to these universities, playing and winning, I think last time uh, they went to NCAA was back in the eighties or no, I'm sorry, 92. It was 92. They were 16. 92. Mm-hmm. Right. So we get more top top recruits going in that with brothers and stuff like that. Bring them up. Man, we 
starting a, a good trend here. I like that. I like what this young brother doing. I, I like it too, man. I, the thing that when I think of this, Howard, so for our listeners, they finished 2-20 and 20 last season. That was their record. So that gives you an idea of the type of team that uh, Maker's going into. Um, mm-hmm. Novak brought up the point about the facilities. So, yes, they're not going to have the same facilities of, as a Kentucky or a Kansas or any of these uh, major programs that are out here. And to be honest, I think to truly make this a movement, I think the entire basketball community has to change its thinking. Because you're right, guys. We used to joke about this back in the day, even when we were talking about going to school and how we should all went to an HBCU, and we didn't. And the thing about it is, is that I think that now comes the time to, for a lot of these kids to actually back up those words and actually do that because mm-hmm. he's, he's going to forever be remembered for this move that he made. And he might be the pioneer for a lot more of these five-star recruits to follow in his footsteps. You know, he's not going to be able to do it all alone. He's going to need more people to come with him. Yeah, he's the spark. That's that spark is going to catch fire and it's going to burn up, man. Yeah. And he can't be a one and done in this situation. That's the True. other catch to this. Because right. if he's a one and done, then him going there for six months is not going to help the situation. You know, so, if, so let well, me ask you, he's a top 20 uh, uh, recruit. So isn't there a chance that he could be a one and done guy? Yeah, it's a, t- it's a chance. But if you think about his cousin, Thun Maker, man, they got similar talent. Now, the makers, you know, the, the makers have similar talent. And, the, and, the, and what I say about that is to be 6'11", 200 pounds or 220 just doesn't even cut in today's NBA because, you know, there's a lot of 6'11 guys out there. There's a lot of 6'8 guys out there. You know what I mean? Same body, same frame. You know, this kid might have a better mo- motor than his cousin, but he's got to stay there at least two to three years to make Howard, re- to make Howard relevant at this point. He, you know, him going there and being the first to go there, a, a big-time recruit, he needs he needs other people to come. he got to go out and recruit for Howard University in order to – he's got to build a program. I mean, he's got to – the coaches got to – the coaches got to uh, put that faith in him to go, hey, you know these guys, go get them. And that's the only way it's going to happen, basically. He's, this is a two-year this is a two-year agreement here right now, two or three years minimum. And he's got to – if he wants to do something special, he's got to build it. You know, he can go, he can go to the NBA in six months. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be a starter in the NBA. I mean, this guy right now, talent-wise, based upon family history and everything, he's a role player in the NBA. But, you know, he could be great. He can change the game. He can do more than just be a role player. He could be, he could be an influential person in college basketball at this point. And then go to the NBA and he could have a decent career. You know, I think that's the best way he needs to look at it. Yeah, man. And it'll be, it'll be really exciting to see, but I'm definitely happy that the, that the young kid – he took this on this on him and he, and he made this happen. I was really excited to see that. Well, fellas, man, this was like a great little pre-episode chat, man. Let's get into the, the, to the meat and bones of this uh, episode. So the decision, so let's, let's chop it up on that, man. Uh, guys, do you guys remember when, when this thing happened, who was the mastermind behind the, the decision? Uh, Drew Wagner. I remember the conversation. He was, uh, you know, he was, uh, he was chirping on the internet a bit. Who, who the hell about, is Drew Wagner? Uh, <laughs> who, who Drew? <laughs> who, 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 okay, right. This is like who, this is like who's shoe, who's shoeless Joe Jackson at this point. So, <laughs> so Drew Wagner is a Pistons fan, and so what went down pretty much is there was this Pistons fan who was always chirping pretty much. You know, he's all he's always chirping about you know, hey, look, what if LeBron did this and blah blah blah. So he was on the internet. He was on people different internet, different forums talking about it. 
and it kind of got some it kind of got some air on it because it happened. You know, LeBron was going to a year where he was looking to he's looking to re-sign basically pretty much with the Cavaliers or leave, and Wagner started chirping. Bill Simmons is involved a little bit in the situation. Bill Simmons talked to Wagner a little bit through the internet. You know, this is before social media blew up. And everybody was like, oh, my God, this would be a great idea. And then that kind of spilled out and it got into Bron's camp. And people started talking about it. And then our, our favorite reporter of ESPN's past pretty much got involved. <laughs> and, you know, it, it turned the situation. You know, Jim Gray got involved in the situation. And, you know, he approached Maverick. And a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff is history at this point. Yeah, because you know what? So basically what you're saying is this Drew Wagner kid was like some fan and he blogged with, uh, was it Bill Simmons or whatever? Simmons. And that's, okay, wow, yeah. wow. Yeah, I remember it happened because I remember like, you know, when they were talking, when they were talking to the decision and everything like that, because, you know, they blogged together, he emailed Simmons and pretty much Simmons, you know, Simmons is pretty good at keeping things going, you know what I mean, on the controversy side. You know, I like Bill Simmons a lot. And then, you know, like, he started talking to other people that are close to LeBron. Then, then, you know, what happened is Bray heard about it, and then they just took it from there pretty much. I mean, there's a lot involved in that situation. Um, you know, you got Maverick is involved. Leon Rose is involved. Uh, Worldwide West heard about it, and they said, let's do it. So that's pretty much it. They got to that yeah, point yeah. from zero to 60. Yeah, yeah. So, right. Because the the the, the okay. Wagner suggested on. Oh, I'm sorry, their prayers. I was just gonna say real quick, like yeah, the Wag, Wagner just suggests the idea, uh, in the question he asks, what if LeBron announces he will, uh, he will pick in 2010, 2011 teams, uh, and have a show called LeBron's. Uh, uh, I think I'll say LeBron's decision or something like that. Yeah, because yeah. initially they want to do pay per view. They were, talking, okay. they were talking about initially, uh, Prez, they were like, what if they charge $44? <laughs> to, to, they said people would, you know, people would have tuned in for it. They would have been pissed off in that situation. Could you, so could you imagine? So we already had the outrage that we saw with the decision, mm -hmm. and it was free. Now, could you imagine this thing if people would have, because you know people would have paid, they would have paid it, but they would have been mad as hell, dude. <laughs> oh, I was, I was mad as hell watching for free that night. I was sitting yeah. there, you know, you know, I think it was awesome and doing it in the YMCA and everything. I think that was really special. These kids were dressed up like they were going to church, and he's sitting there on his stool. Is like going to church? You know that look. You know that look. Everybody in the room was like something fantastic happened. I was pissed because everybody in the room knew he was knew where he was going. We knew he. I knew he was going before I got on, and I was like, that's from a sports perspective, because you know, there's a certain person in Miami he was friends with, and I'm like, you know, what's about to happen. It wasn't. You know, we thought we were in the running for it in Chicago. And I knew that was going to happen. We fucked up good dreams. And it was Chicago, Chicago Bulls could fuck up a good dream. And I just, I'm just being blunt about it. So it is what it is, you know, in that situation. But, uh, I, I, you know, I think that, you know, I think that everybody in the room knew where he was going. I think that, you know, his, his supporting cast is in the room. You know, he had Maverick. They had a Maverick shot while he was in the room. Everybody was just so hyped about it. I hated watching it to this day, to be honest with you. <laughs> Yeah, but it, it did happen. Well, the thing too is like Maverick Carter saw it as an idea to raise money for charity, and I think that was why he brought it to LeBron and so forth. And while in theory, yeah, fine, you know, you guys were trying to do some good here, but let's not fool ourselves. LeBron got a lot out of this too because you know what, he got to broadcast his brand across millions and millions of people, and mm -hmm. also he used Jim Gray to basically 
spew that message. I mean, that that fucking decision thing pissed me off. Jim Gray is a trash reporter. Everybody knows it. But those softball questions that he was asking LeBron, remember that shit? He was like, how's your summer? What the hell? <laughs> it was good. Well, <laughs> well you, know, you know, you know, Jim Gray gave him the Oprah. That's why I call it basically. I, I don't know if you guys saw the, 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 the Brady Oprah um, interview. <laughs> same thing. You know, they're, they're all part of the same, like, you know, cast of friends and characters pretty much. Like, Jim Gray's questioning was terrible because he he didn't want to offend them, and he was hoping to get another decision in the future. A lot of times when people deal with these celebrities like this and these athletes, they don't want to ask the hard questions because they want to be able to talk to them again in the future. You know, Jim Gray was hoping to become that guy that whenever LeBron's making a big decision or something's going on, he'll be the come-to reporter. He never got that job because, they didn't. you know, they used him as a vessel at that point to get on ESPN and make that decision. Oh, yeah. He was nothing more than a mouthpiece for LeBron's camp. And and actually, you know, people don't realize this. ESPN didn't even pay Jim Gray, and he was paid for by LeBron's camp. That is correct. They didn't pay him, they didn't pay him because they didn't see it as being significant at that point in time. But they did block off our TV night, and they did go to, like, it was a special alert. I'm like, what the hell? Man. I was watching, uh, I don't know, I might have watched the Kashi hot dogs or something that night, the hot dog guy. And they, <laughs> they cut away from the hot dog contest because, you know, ESPN and everything going on. And they go straight to LeBron and the YMCA wearing that shirt, you know, wearing that the Hampton, te- the Hampton button-up, I call it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sitting on that stool with Jim Gray talking about you still a nail-biter. I'm like, get the hell out of here, Jim Gray. With, with his um, his with his new hairline. <laughs> wow! <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, it grew back before the decision. <laughs> and that and that and the stress of that decision took that shit away. <laughs> he had a rough year. It, that first year in Miami was terrible for him. He paid for every moment of that decision. In the days nope. after the decision, don't even want to talk about that. That's a whole other conversation went down after he made that decision. No, man, for, for sure. Oh, my God. You know what? me to a dark place. <laughs> did, you guys, did you guys know that uh, Nike matched uh, the, what uh, ESPN earned in the ad revenue from that thing? So I think ESPN earned $3 million and Nike matched it. So there was a lot of money that, uh, that they raised uh, as, from doing this decision. I still didn't like the, the premise behind it, but, I mean, it did do some good. Yeah, they matched it, and then you saw all the Nike commercials. They started flowing during the commercial when you know they went to commercial at the at the at the grass, those softball questions, and they showed the Nike commercials with LeBron and everything like that. And then at the end of the show, they showed the, you know, they showed the whole running through the community commercial. I'm like, oh my god, this is terrible. <laughs> it was br- it was brilliant from a marketing perspective. I mean, LeBron is a great marketer. He's better at marketing and getting controversy. He's the Kanye of basketball at this point. He's really good at getting you into his world. That and he's also really good at uh, having uh, people carry his water for him in the league too, because we've definitely seen a lot of signs of that oh, in the NBA. Oh yeah, yeah. The media, the, the media has spe- the media has a special relationship with him. Yeah, this I, I, guys, I don't know about y'all. Man. Well, I do know what y'all think, but this decision just, just I, I couldn't get in with it, man. Just tell me where you're going and let's let's keep it moving, man. You need all this, man. Well, well, think about it, right? So the the, the guy Jim Gray, he he's he asked eighteen questions. <laughs> right. I mean, come on, man. Well, what, what anybody doing, sitting bro? there like anticipate waiting on man? Ask ask the man where he going. <laughs> yeah, I know. Let's go to a commercial, and the commercial hey. has to be the commercial has to be LeBron drinking a smoothie or some shit. I'm like, what is this? 
Man. I'm like, dude, we only wanted one question. That's all one we wanted question. to know. Where are you going? Fine. Where are you <laughs> going? <laughs> what we have? We got this, this all this spectacle, man. Well, my mama, my mama is happy. I'm like, no, I don't want to hear that. Where are you going? Where are you going? <laughs> ah, dog. Ask yeah. that man. So hey, we keep moving. The yeah, joke you, there, the joke there, he should have made a decision when he got married. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's a joke there. I always hear. No, you a wild boy. You a wild boy, no, man. Mm-hmm. We just want to no. know, man. You gotta treat up. You gotta, you gotta get the same energy to the decision to go to Miami and having Savannah sit there for like a decade. <laughs> same thing that went down. Decisions. <laughs> oh, that, there's so many places I can go with that, but I'm oh, gonna... I know. <laughs> decisions. Decisions. You know, DM, DM Lord. <laughs> My goodness. So <laughs> when LeBron basically decided to take his talents to uh, to Miami, right? Mm-hmm. We know oh, from there that decision changed the NBA landscape. In you guys' opinion, uh, how so? I mean, we went from balanced teams to super teams really quick. I mean, there were super teams in the 80s. You know, the, the, the Boston Celtics were – they were – Godly, you know, you had like Hall of Famers in every every damn stall of the locker room. To be honest with you, you know, in the Boston Celtics, so same thing with the Lakers. They were just fortunate to have all the talent. There was two teams had all the damn talent, and Philadelphia was somewhere in the mix at that point. But they were not quite as good as the Lakers or the Celtics. I think how it changed the landscape is that it showed a player with enough power to create and assemble a team in any city he wanted at that point. You know, he made, he put Miami. Miami always was Miami had won championships before him with you know with Wade and everything, but he showed that he could shift everybody to one area. He changed the way the media you know looked at basketball that year, and it became more of a situation of is LeBron happy every year? So he cha- he totally changed the landscape. He took control of the NBA landscape when he went to Miami. He became the most focal point on earth. I mean, Kobe was awesome. But Kobe didn't control the media like that. Kobe, Kobe went out there and he did his job. He put in the work and he won championships. You know, LeBron James basically created a soap opera in the NBA. He also made every team around him pretty much start looking at how can I put more stars together to compete against these guys. They got three closers on one team. If one of them is not having a good day, there's two other guys kick your ass. They were, they were taking turns kicking people's ass. So, I mean, what it did is it made every general manager out there feel like they were doing a shitty job. It made them all look at the rosters. We started blowing up rosters around the NBA. Players started becoming friends with each other. You know, the whole AAU mentality took over the NBA. That's pretty much what the decision did. And, and then also, they changed, like you said, not only changed that, it changed how, they, how we do our traditional all-star games, where it's not East from the West. It's just, you know, you, you get two captains and they pick who they want on their team to play against each other in that way. I had uh, uh, agree with you there, Novak, that, you know, these NBA players nowadays, they have, you know, these now players, modern players have more power in constructing their teams in, in, in the league than ever, ever before. Now, with those teams back then, like you talk about the great Lakers and Celtics and Philly, did, did they go and join or was it more they, they get those, those players off uh, draft picks? No, they were, those were a lot of times they were trades and draft picks. They were trades and draft picks. So now, right, so that we looked at from there, like, you know, the Lakers when they had, uh, back in the, when they had uh, Will Chamberlain and Black Jesus and, and Jerry West, Celtics, like you said, uh, 
you know, Bill Russell and them, or if they get Larry Bird and the Chief and all them. Right. And even uh, the great, even, you know, so it, it don't seem like that. But uh, now when you're going from, hey, you know what, I'm LeBron, I'm going to go back and play with Wade and Bosh and break over, over Shooter and um, Allen, uh, not Allen Iverson, uh, Ray Allen. And other guys playing with their with their other partners to win to get a better uh, chance of winning a championship, man, dude. Like you said, it changed the changed the dynamics of uh, how we look at this thing now. No, you you're definitely right about that. And also, too, let's let's just be honest here. Uh, LeBron, he's always going to be known as the pioneer of these super teams, whether mm -hmm. he wants to admit that or not. Um, I can't fault him for basically his decision to want to play in Miami. That's not what I ever had the issue was. For me, it was the whole spectacle behind it with the decision. Then that fucking uh, press conference thing that they had at the arena when them dudes are sitting in their uniforms talking about not one, yeah, not, not two, two, not three, four, five, six. I'm like, I'm like shut up. <laughs> yeah, shut, shut y'all asses up. That, that was the problem that I had with that whole situation. But when you look at the landscape of the NBA, you guys both are correct. The players have the power now. Um, not even just in a way that they can basically make their decision on where they're going to play. But you got to think about the narratives that owners and GMs used against players when they wanted to leave via free agency. You guys remember when Shaq left Orlando, right? And back in, what was that, 90? Mm -hmm. Yeah, whatever. Whatever year that was. Ooh. So when he <laughs> left, the owners, they basically painted him as selfish, right? And then the, the whole fan right. base basically hated, hated Shaq. Shaq didn't even want to talk about the contract. And I thought that that was unfair because – it's called free agency for a reason. <laughs> the guy's free to go over where he wants. Like, what's the problem mm -hmm. there, right? So I think in the situation where you had LeBron, he really was one of those players that used that power. Because like you, you said, Novak, Kobe, while we he was a powerful guy, Kobe never wielded that power and influence that he had. He probably could have if he wanted to. But LeBron was the one that basically took that power and used it probably more effectively than any player that we've seen uh, in the history of the NBA. Right. And, I mean, go ahead. Kobe tried to build that power to get to Chicago. He tried to do that. And that did, you know, what happened there pretty much is the Lakers had a stronger uh, management unit at that time. And they were just, they sat down and said, Hey, that's our guy. We can't let him go like this. And they pulled them back in. You know, I think Kobe would have went, Kobe would have went to the, um, would have went to the Bulls, but the thing is, the Bulls were giving up so much. You know, to get Dang, you know, giving up Dang and all those people at that point in time would have been a bad thing for the Bulls, right. considering how these guys' careers turned out. You know what I mean? But at the same time, you know, we we as an organization weren't strong enough to see the bigger picture, and the Lakers got smart at the end, and they said, "Oh hell no, we're going to give up our great, we're going to give up this person that's done so much for us, and he's going to win more championships here." So they basically mm -hmm. figured it out. And it took, you know, it took, you know, it took trying to figure out what to put around them. I think the difference was with Kobe, the general managers made those deals happen. It wasn't players going, hey, man, you want to play with me? Hey, man, I'm going to Miami. Come meet me in Miami. It was none of that going on. I mean, you know, when, uh, when Jim Buss was alive and the Lakers were winning championships, he was the great negotiator. He was the guy that went out there and got the players. The players didn't go get the players. It was it was the buses and stuff the world right. went out there and got the players right. to come over. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you look at the new NBA, basically, these GMs are kind of powerless. These GMs are just, they're, you know what they are? They're, they're dedicated water-carrying men. They got to be really nice to these guys because if not, they'll have a mutiny and they'll go hang out somewhere on the banana boat and put together a team. So it's, it's a totally, that's, what, that's why the NBA has changed so much is because 
they can pick and choose who they want to play with, where they want to play with, and if your and if your city's cool enough for them. That's the whole new NBA right now. You can't stop that. Dude. Do and it's forced, and you now what these players are doing, you're forcing these, and it shouldn't be forced, but these owners and 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 uh holders and stuff like that, you have to, these are family, no matter what. At, at that back then, they it's a business now. This got to be, you know, you got to be, you got to be a family, you got to be more than just boss owner or player and this and that. We're all men and women here in this in this game and stuff like that, so it it, it, it brings a new light, like you know what. We can't look at these people like we can't look at these basketball players or any players in that matter like like cattle like oh we can just you know just trade or get rid of this and that man because like you said these these players they they standing up they standing tall and they and they they want theirs and they ain't backing down either. They're sure not. And also too one other thing that I wanted to point out to you guys and even to our audience is the fact that LeBron has helped players change. Uh, the way that they get their message out there to the mainstream, meaning the media control the message when these guys were going to leave to go to a team and, and so forth. Now you guys see when, like, let's say, for instance, Kevin Durant, Gordon Hayward, when they left mm-hmm. their respective teams, these guys put out, like, uh, articles in the Players' Tribune. And so you can just tell that the players now are just looking to basically not have their message uh, torpedoed by the media. And also, let's not even forget how – Kawhi Leonard basically took over NBA free agency last summer. I mean, when the hell did he sign? It was like weeks after a free agency started. Like he slow played everybody when he came to free agency last year. He basically shut it down, really. Um, and then also, too, when you think about the decision where he and Paul George decided to team up, that's just an example of how that, that NBA landscape has changed because, as Novak mentioned, this NBA has now turned into this buddy ball AAU style of play and from mm-hmm. where I sit I I love the fact that the players do have the power but as far as the competitor in me I don't like the way that they've yeah. gone about using that power mm-hmm. I like, I'm with you I'm with you press like, what, what, what do you guys feel about that aspect of things because some people will say they think it's great that the players have the power in the league but for me I just think that landscape the way it is now it's just a little troubling, especially when you see the way Paul George forced his way out of uh, OKC. I'm just – hey, Novak, if you mind, I'll just – I got a quick one on this one. I ain't going to go too much deep into it because that's, the, that's part of the main reason why I'm not watching a lot of basketball now these days. I was a big basketball fan back in the days where Cash used to build a team by draft picks and stuff like that and free agency and stuff like that and, and people evolving and, and working on their craft and getting better. Now, if you go in and playing – with, your, uh, with other superstars, you got to hold like, – like that one year, the Golden State Warrior had five all-star people on their team. Now, I know they still didn't win, but but damn, it was like, man, this ain't even fair, man. It's like I, – I, I don't like that I don't like that part of it, and I really can't get down with it. That's just – you know, that's just my opinion on it. Well, I'll tell you that the recruiting in the NBA has become the new norm. I mean, these guys behind closed doors, they're more effective recruiting – and getting the job done in the damn GM, like Novak brought up, the GMs, what, what, what role do they have anymore? Because the players, especially the star players, they're the ones that are basically controlling the chess pieces. Mm-hmm. You're right about that. I mean, the, G, the GM, this isn't Jerry Cross, this isn't uh, the bus air or anything like that. That's dead. These players basically are so good at, you know, maneuvering who they want to play with. They, don't, they might not understand the salary cap, 
but they don't care about the salary cap because with the big three, you know, when they put their situation together, the issue was how the hell are you going to pay them all? That's where, you know, there's their cap expert had to pretty much, you know, in Miami had to figure out how to make all three of these contracts work, you know, at this point, because, you know, money's always going to be an issue with signing three stars in that situation. But I think I don't like this version of the NBA because I feel like, you know, I, I like the players to have some type of control, but I don't like the fact that, you know, if it's a season ticket holder or as an NBA fan, I feel like it sucks that my star could be going in 20 minutes after I just bought some tickets to, to see him for 82 games or my star is already plotting to leave after we draft him. And that's the new NBA right now because, you know, you got to kiss their ass in order to keep them. Like, you know, like Anacumpo is going to be a big problem because I don't think I don't think there's any way in hell you're going to keep him in Milwaukee unless Milwaukee got another star to come up. And Milwaukee's not Miami. Milwaukee's not L.A. It ain't even Golden State. It's going to be hard to keep that guy in that area. Right. Yeah, Milwaukee's that's what, definitely was true. It, was it known for beer? No, they know for uh, brats. Bratwurst. Bratwurst, 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 yeah. And cheese. <laughs> I hope <laughs> you know, love cheese and brats. Uh, Cooper ain't drinking, not eating, or not eat, drinking or eating any of that stuff. So it don't even matter at this point. You know, that's a little Vernon Shirley moment with Anna Cooper in Milwaukee. Damn. Well, I will say this. The, the new player power movement, it's going to come back to haunt those guys when a new CBA comes up. And that's the thing that nobody's talking about. Well, you don't, ooh, you don't think these owners are going to remember that? Well, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt them when they try to go out and get these next contracts. You guys said LeBron James is due for one. At some point, he's gonna have to he's gonna have to be on the other side of the table and say, "Hey, I want you know I want this much to play to continue my career." And somebody somebody's gonna tell him no. They're gonna end his career prematurely, even if he got something left in the tank. Because you know you're right. These owners and these these owners and these general managers they remember this stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, well, you can ask Carmel Anthony what happens if you get traded back to Chicago after you yeah. come here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty. That was pretty sad. They need to just don't don't even come here. Well, this is just a paperwork move. Cash considerations, Mello. <laughs> those, those, you know, those are hurt feelings. That's what that was. Yep. He could have helped us on that roster, but too much hurt. That is true. Well, man, well, so when you guys look at the decision, so we all have our opinions of, you know, LeBron and how he went about doing things and whatever. But do you guys think that uh, he made the right decision leaving Cleveland? Yeah. Mm. Okay. Mm. I tell you what, that roster was ass. I mean, uh, <laughs> Wait a minute, hey, hey, you had Shaq, Novak? Man, oh, come on, a, come on, that no, was, man. <laughs> man, that was not Shaq. That was that was that was, was, was Shaq. O'Neal. Dude, that was Shaq. That was Damn. the general one on one. What are we talking yeah. about? He said that Shawnee O'Neal. That was Shawnee O'Neal at that point, man. Ooh, you know, he, that was hey, not hey, Shaq, man. Hey, you know, real he, quick, Novak, what you you, you gonna disrespect Mo Williams like that? Oh, who? Right. Mr. Alabama. What about yeah. Big? Hey, what about Big Z? Man, Big Z got a nice job in the, in the management office over Cleveland. You know, <laughs> Big Big Z couldn't. He wasn't mobile or anything like that. He was just big you know, in that situation. So it wasn't. It, it wasn't the type of big man he needed at that point. LeBron needs shooters hey, don't around forget, him. Don't forget. You had. You had. You had uh, Antoine Jameson. Who? Bird and Ernie. Oh well. <laughs> uh, he was he was washed at that point, wasn't he? It, it was beyond washed. That man had a couple of fifty-five Damn. point games in Golden State. He was awesome that one year. He put up that hundred points in two nights. He ain't been nothing since then. I love Antoine Jameson as a as a, as a power forward. I think he's real smooth. 
But him putting him in Cleveland next to LeBron, he wasn't the type of power forward he needed. He needed Bosch or he needed a space shooter. He needed somebody that didn't post up, somebody that didn't catch it in mid-block, because that's LeBron's area he works in. He controls everything below the dotted line. So uh, below the free throw line in that situation. So he needs guys that can hit open jump shots. That team was okay. stupid. J.J. Hickson, was, J.J. Hickson basically was not that good. You know, he was one of your starters majority of the season. He, um, mm-hmm. you know, he basically, the problem with J.J. Hickson was he wasn't that intelligent as a basketball player. Because the NC State guy, he was big, he's athletic, but he had a lot of stupid plays. He was JaVale McGee before JaVale McGee. You he, had, was also, uh, he was also the only young player they had on that team, besides Danny Green. And you had you had uh, Christian uh, Mayinga basically who came over from the Congo. He never he, he didn't mount anything. He's supposed to be like the surprise pick because remember, remember Danny Green went in the second round in forty six. Now Ayinga uh, went first round thirty. So they drafted a guy from Congo quicker than they drafted a guy that went to North Carolina who basically was awesome at NC. Danny Green was pretty good in college. Yeah, and you also had, at, at Carolina. Yeah, yeah. And then you had you had Jamario Moon on that roster. He could duck. That was about it. That's about it. He couldn't guard his mom. He could, he could jump out the gym, <laughs> but he but he couldn't guard nobody. And then you know he I'm gonna give guard a, his mom. No, I'm gonna get a shout out to Anthony Parker. That's you know that's what you know, that's one you know, that's that's one of the homies, man. I'm gonna say like, yeah, Bradley. He was he was good. Bradley. You know you talking you talking that Naperville area. You know he was awesome. I mean Anthony, Anthony Parker was a pretty good player. I remember from high school, he was good. Uh, Leon Poe. He was too small to be a center. They had that guy playing center out there when Z go out sometimes. And, you know, it was terrible. And don't forget, Sebastian Telfair was on that damn team. Bassey. <laughs> yeah, he was on that team. And we had, we had a young Anthony uh, Bearjaw before he found his, uh, you know, his beat out Sassoon. We had him on the team before he found out his hair. And we had LeBron's dad on that team. So, you know, it was <laughs> – we, we had Delonte on that team. I mean, Delonte, Delonte and Mo. <laughs> Damn, yeah. you brought back memories, man. Yeah, Delonte and Mo pretty much carried that team's ass when LeBron didn't have the tape. And Anthony Park had a lot of big shots, too. But you think about it, Delonte, Delonte was awesome as a two-guard. A, a six-foot-three two-guard, and he'd go out there, he'd get you 20 real quick. Oh, Del- Mo, Delonte was a dog, man. Man, I mean, he played defense. You know, he, he did everything. He did everything right on the court. Off the court, that's a different story. I mean, off the court, you know, he <laughs> he did yeah. some stuff that basically set that man back mentally, uh, set LeBron back mentally a couple of years. Uh, and then they had Jawad Williams on the team, who was another North Carolina guy. So they, they had a lot of Carolina on that team. There was Danny, there was Jawad, and there also, and there also was Antoine. So, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. the, thing, the thing is, the roster was not built to win a championship. Not even close. Now, I forget, I forget about Booby Gibson. <laughs> You know, he got married. He got Keisha Cole that year. That was the best thing yeah, happened to him. It's the Keisha Cole. Yeah. So, okay. Here's where the separation with, with, with Mike and, and uh, LeBron. Now, if you put Mike in that situation, Mike would have developed them boys and they would have won a championship. Right. Talk to him, Jules. Now, LeBron had these people. Now, granted, Novak, you broke, you broke this down eloquently. They wasn't winning with, with, with LeBron. He couldn't, I mean, like you said, Shaq was, Shaq, Antoine Jameson, some of the cats, it, it wasn't doing it. Shaq back in the days, yeah. Yeah, because they almost, you know, they almost went there. I think they got swept, but, but you know, hell, they went there. So, yes, I, I think it was the right decision for him to go on because he'd been in the league for six years, I believe. He was drafting in 03. So this mm-hmm. is 2009, 2010 season. 
So yeah, he left because you know what? He felt he he was frustrated and felt like he wasn't the management. I believe I read at the time the management wasn't put, putting players around him to win, and he got frustrated and he went to Miami to play with uh Wade. And then um, I think Bosch went Bosch went in first. Bosch went in and said he was committed to play in Miami. Then uh, LeBron joined, and he went there. Went to that first season with Miami. They went to the championship, lost to Dallas, but the next two years they won back to back. So, uh, yeah, what'd you say, Perez? I'm sorry. I was going to say, too, I mean, that team won 61 games. So I, I know you guys both done, didn't respect that roster very much, and LeBron probably pulled those guys along with him. However, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure you guys looked at some of those Bulls rosters from back in the day. No disrespect to anybody on those teams, but, I mean, come on. So know. that was our 41-41 year. That was, the, that was the year that Boston got a – that's the year that Derrick arrived on the scene. That was our 41-41 year, you know what I mean, pretty much. We, we you know, we basically went 500 that year, you know, so we well, were – No, back. I was talking about the teams that Mike won championships with. Oh, oh okay, even better. Uh, well, the thing, the thing is, Jerry Cross did a really good job of putting the right parts around Michael compared to, like, what they – compared to what they did with Ron out there. You, know, you mean like role, role, role player wise? Yeah, role player wise. I mean, right. he had the right parts. Plus, you had Scotty Pippen. So a lot of right. people, a lot of people, gotta understand that when you got two players that you can build around every damn year, it's a lot easier than having one start looking for a bunch of bums and a bunch of role players to put around them. So I would mm-hmm. say the difference, the difference with the Bulls is, yeah, Mike and Scotty, Mike bred Scotty, Scotty bred other winners in that situation. But you got two guys on the same system. And all they do is spread that to everybody else in the locker room. Well, LeBron, the fact that he wasn't very vocal at that point, he was vocal, but he was still immature, you know, around that time in his career. He was the best, he's probably the best player, you know, the best player at that age group, the best player coming up at that point. But, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't a leader yet. You know what I mean? He was a, he was a great player, but he hadn't figured out how to win. That's why he took his ass to Miami. He went down there and he got into the Pat Rowley system of winning games and winning, and winning championships. Mm-hmm. They taught him how to win. He didn't know how to win it. He got to the, he got to the finals. Got blessed. He didn't know anything about how to finish on the big stage. He didn't know how to, he didn't know how much work to put into it. He got to Miami. He learned how he learned how to work at a different level and and make his teammates so, work with him. Well, that's that that's where he got that championship DNA that he always talks about. He, oh yeah, mm-hmm. he didn't have that. He he uh-huh. he learned that from Pat. Uh-huh. So was it the, so was it the coach in Cleveland? So Mike Brown? Uh, no. Mm-hmm. I would blame Mike Brown okay. for that. I mean, Mike Brown won 61 okay. games with with, exactly. a, with a misfit with a misfit roster. So you right. gotta get you gotta give okay. Mike big props about that. You know, you know what? Got, I blame I blame Danny Ferry for being a trash executive. That's that's who I blame. Okay, okay. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, but but you know, the, the thing with Danny is Danny Danny got Brown there. They also he you know, he turned it around because remember he did he did draft Juan Wagner. He did draft Carlos Boozer. Now think about this. Boozer doesn't leave at this point. There's no Antoine James. Right. They might have had a better roster because I think Booz and I think Booz and a uh, young a uh, young Bron basically gets you they, they gets you closer to a championship. But they still were missing that other player because Boozer ended up becoming a perennial All Star in Utah. He went out to Utah. He put it in work. We got Boozer mm-hmm. after he felt like he was better than what he was at that point. We got we got we got we always get players in Chicago after all the gas is gone. At that point, or the, or the players got too much money, and he just basically driving around his cars all day. 
Well, that was that was that was a consolation prize that I didn't want. So I mean, that's, yeah, it's a bad <laughs> prize because he was going to go back to Cleveland and Brian State. You know, Boozer was on the way back to Cleveland. He we he he chose us because he couldn't fit in Miami. They didn't want him in Miami. They already had their guy Bosch. He probably would end up in Miami if Bosch didn't go to Miami. Yeah, and then the Bulls threw the bag at him because nobody took it. You know exactly, so, yeah. exactly. And then you know that's on us in that situation. I'll say this real quick. Uh, I, I came at this a little slightly different. I think he should have stayed in Cleveland. Now, I do agree with you guys that the roster didn't do him any favors. But in the spirit of how Mike was, I just think that LeBron should have stayed there and led that team to a title. You know, I think he should have took his lumps. Uh, Jordan, he took his lumps. You know, we, we don't mm-hmm. have to retrace that. But you guys know where I'm going with that. I just think that I would have thought that winning a championship there first um, – would have been better for his legacy than going and joining up with uh, Bosch and uh, Wade in, uh, in Miami because Wade had already won a championship. And to be honest with you, that was Wade's team. I mean, they don't call that Wade County for no reason. Then also remember, Brian had, Brian had that elbow surgery that year too. Right. So, he, so, you know, he had that issue, they had that, uh, that growth in the elbow. They never tell you what they cleaned up, but, you know, that changed his shooting form dramatically. His okay. whole shot changed after he had the elbow surgery. You know, there, there, was. They won sixty-one games, but there was a lot of problems that year. You know, you know, Mo had surgery. Anderson's, Anderson's hamstring was hurt every year, and Shaq broke his thumb that year. At yeah. like, oh, at like thirty-five. So there was a lot of. Yeah. I mean, they did a lot. You know, they did a lot with that roster to get sixty-one games, but they sucked all life out. Yeah. I mean, they did, but I just when you look at this guy's legacy, because he's very concerned with that legacy, and he did go back to Cleveland later and led them to a title. However. I think if he would have won that title with them prior to the Miami situation. It would have been different. That, it would have been different for him. That last Dude, title was it NBA exactly. manufactured. Yep. NBA manufactured that last title. Yeah, of course. Of course they did. And then LeBron would have to be forcing people to play in this bubble, but that's another story for uh, – <laughs> We're giving you no. the small blanket. They are getting the no. small blanket. You guys saw the video? So, yeah, I did. What, what you have, uh, Jules? No, I was about to say, so, Prez, let me ask you. So, you think – He'll be in the conversation of being a goat. He would have stayed with that with that team, with those teammates, and won a championship. I think it would have been more digestible. I think Digest- it's okay. Yeah, I don't even want to. I, I agree. That. I agree with you. I agree. Yeah, his resume would have been better. I mean, if he yes. wanted now, to- if he want to stay, if he want to stay for that reason, he want to prove that he's the best, the greatest of all time. I'm with you, but he just won't leave just to get it to win a chip. Then okay, that's it. You know, all right. Because that's that's all that was. That was a situation of. Man, I played a Team USA with these guys. They're my boys. Let's see what we can get going down there. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I wanted to throw over to you guys real quick was, so you guys mentioned a couple of the teams that, that were uh, that were the runner-ups. Let's talk to our audience about some of the teams that were involved in the LeBron Sweet Stakes. So uh, Novak brought up the Bulls, uh, but there was the, uh, the Nets, the Knicks, and the Clippers. Uh, you guys want to do just a quick, you know, deep dive into a couple of those situations? We got played with in Chicago. You know, the Bulls got played with, you know, it was all people talked about at work and stuff at that point in time. Everybody thought he was coming here. And I, I was sitting I was sitting in my own space in the office like, y'all full of shit. This is not going to happen. You know, you know uh, even Jerry Ransdorf recently said that he thought that he had him. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Because, you know, because what happened is, you know, Wade, I think Wade's uh, issue with the city at that time went back to the Michael Jordan era. 
and he didn't like the way the Michael thing played out. A lot of players had hurt butt feelings about what went down with Mike. And remember, Wade was also a Michael. Um, he was on Michael's brand at that point in time. He was wearing, you know, he was wearing the Jordans. And you know, when you look at that, and I don't know how much I know, Mike. Has, well, I'm gonna say this: Mike had a lot of influence on free agents at that point in time, even if he was somewhere and they didn't want to come play for him, but they weren't gonna go to Chicago because of how things played out there. So. We wasted our time in that situation, big time. You know, uh, we had no shot at it. The Clippers didn't have a chance in hell. They just got a good location, but they still, they still play. They still play the Lakers' bad order at that point in time as they do today, before they move out to the you know, to the, uh, to the to the form. So I don't think the Clippers. The Clippers didn't have a roster at that time. You know, they had the money, but they didn't have a roster. We had yeah, that, the, that, we had the that, money and the roster. Yeah, that Clippers team had a, a young Blake and a and a aging Baron Davis. But yeah, you, that that roster wasn't as uh that Bulls roster I thought was more attractive of the ones. And and honestly, a lot of people thought that the Bulls were uh, LeBron's preferred uh, destination. Well, the problem with Blake and LeBron on the court at the same time is weird because those guys both play in the mid post. They both post up a lot. You know, a lot of their actions come off of catching the ball in a certain space. You know, and then creating out of the post. You can't have them on the floor at the same time. And the fact that, you know, Blake historically has had issues getting along with other, other alphas. Because Blake's not an alpha. He, he wants to be an alpha, I think, personally. And I think Bron has issues being an alpha. So you got two guys that don't want to be the man. They don't want to take the last shot. It's just not going to work out at that point. Chris Paul would have been the only thing that would have, you know, stabilized that situation. But they weren't there yet. You know, I just, uh, when I knew when he didn't come to Chicago, I said the hell with him. Because I was, <laughs> I was like, man, come on, man, we got Boozer or we got Boozer or uh, or Joe Kim on center, Taj Gibson, D Rose, uh, Ronnie Bruner or Cal Kofner for shooting guard. I, I don't know, but what you know, I'd have been like, man, LeBron would have been a perfect uh, uh, slot for that uh, that roster, man. And he let us down and went to Miami. Well, I, I ain't gonna. We ended up with Boozer because LeBron didn't come. But you're right. right. Uh, you had Noah. You had uh, Rose. Uh, we had Taj who was on that team too, right? Yeah, Taj Gibson. Yeah, Luol. Yeah, Luol was on that team. I mean, we yeah. lost we lost BG. Right, right. Which, which to me is the biggest loss ever because we lost that Heat. I mean, if him and, if him and you know, I know he was undersized, but Derek and Gordon on the floor at the same time. Oh my God, you know, he took so much pressure off of uh, off Derek having to, having to take the big shots all the time. Also, that wouldn't also that wouldn't have been a um, you know there wouldn't have been a Rip Hamilton you know sighting at that. Point. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about old Rip. Hey, let's, and, and another. Let's, let's, let's be honest. Let's just call this what this was. The Bulls when they met with the LeBron uh, to pitch him, right? Because you know all these teams had their pitch meetings. They mm-hmm. had a pair of Air Jordan shoes on the table, and they basically challenged LeBron. They said, "Can you feel these?" Well, guess what? When he decided to go to Miami, he answered that question right away. Mm-hmm. Well, he felt them all right. <laughs> yeah. and, and let's be and let's be honest. Besides uh, the Clippers, who are we looking at? We're looking at Chicago, back to Cleveland, New Jersey, and uh, and, and, and New and York. The Knicks. Hey, hey, man, that brother wanted to get out there to South Beach and, 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 and get loose, man. He want to go out there <laughs> in some fun, fun weather, some sights, you know that strip. He want to get out and get loose, man. He ain't talking about no more cold and nothing like that. And also get a chance to win, win a championship, man. That brother gone, man. Miami, here I come. I mean, you you're right, Ocean Drive. All right. Oh man. Yeah. Nothing's competing with that. 
Look at people that I mean, you know, you know, he was going. You saw the commercial with John Legend and him, and they jogging through, and John Legend singing like an R and B song, or brother jogging with children with him through Miami neighborhoods. Oh I mean, yeah, yeah. Go, he didn't jog through little Haiti though. He jogged through the good side of Miami. So that's <laughs> like wow. So it, it was too much. I mean, but you know, there's no way you don't. There's no way you're not going to go to Miami. And I think with the you know with the Knicks, they're the fucking Knicks. Nobody's going to New York. <laughs> you know, Dolan, Dolan probably came in and probably said something offensive and said, you're going to sign. That's probably, that's probably the Knicks yeah. relationship situation with that. I wouldn't want to New York. Except for LaMelo. He only... <laughs> <laughs> no, man, that's terrible stuff going on out there, man. We can't even describe the, the drama in New York. I mean, it's, you know, they, they need their own podcast. We need hours to talk about what's wrong in New York. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you, too, you're right about that, because when LeBron decided not to go to the Knicks, they ended up signing Amari, and Amari was shot at that point. Uh, so. Oh, yeah. We took his, they took his good legs at that point. He was done. Yeah, because that, that Knicks team, they had a young core, and they had Gallinari, who I've always liked his game. He, he's pretty solid. And then they had uh, Al Harrington, yeah, who was nah, also yeah. kind of underrated as well. Oh, man, you brought a class for pass, man. I mean, he – yeah, yeah Gallo – yeah, I mean, Gallo was pretty good, you know, in that situation. He would have complimented LeBron really well, you know, in, in, you know, out there at that point in time. And then you want to talk about the Nets. What's to talk about the Nets in that situation? I mean, um, uh, <laughs> I would say that team at that point in time, they, they didn't have – there wasn't a reason to go out there unless he, unless he just wanted to go somewhere that was a big market at that point in time. I mean, I see, I see, like you know, any team that's in New York, any team that's in New Jersey, that's a big market that's untapped at that point in time. They just, um, you know, it just wouldn't been a good fit for them at that point in time. You know, it gets cold in New York and New Jersey during, you know, during the winter. Miami, that guy was still wearing shorts and and singing with John Legend. You know, there was no way he was not gonna go, go east at this point. <laughs> and and two. Uh... The only thing that uh, New Jersey had going for themselves at that time is that Jay-Z was a part owner of the team. Him and LeBron was boys. And then they had that Russian uh, billionaire that bought the team. And he came in basically saying that he wanted to do all these big things and mm -hmm. then he stole the franchise, you know, so. For, for cat food. And he left. <laughs> man, LeBron, LeBron wanted to win a ring, man. He said, damn all that, man. He wanted to win a ring. <laughs> yeah, I but, mean. I, I mean, you know, like you know, the, the billionaire came in, took over, the, took over the franchise. He got them, you know, he, he got that really nice arena. The Barclays Center is beautiful. Yep. And he left town with his bag of money. Yep. And he, he cashed out. On. He cashed out. On. He went back. He went back to his secret vodka industry. Never seen him again. Damn. That's crazy. But me, you know what? Both of you guys bring up good points. Obviously, LeBron went to Miami. They, they didn't win the seven that he promised. You know, they mm -hmm. won a couple. And then he got up out of there. Not <laughs> one, mm -hmm. not two. I was like, oh, stop <laughs> it, man. <laughs> but the one thing about that guy is he he leads those teams worse than when he gets there, though. I mean, you see what Ooh. he did the first time and then the second time. We should call him Hurricane. And the third time. There. He's like a hurricane he comes to town. He sucks all the life out. He's a basketball vampire. He goes there. He sucks all the talent out. He gets a, every coach has been fired after he leaves. That's yeah. history. Well, you know, one thing that's kind of interesting that we we're having this discussion. So, obviously, LeBron, he, he got flack for his decision, you know, to leave Cleveland and go to Miami. And then in recent times, we've seen now the, the heat that uh, Kevin Durant 
has taken from leaving Oklahoma City to play for the Warriors at that time, right? Mm -hmm. So in my opinion, I think that they're those situations are similar. What do you guys feel when it comes to that? I think it's a I, 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 real quick. I'm gonna say, KD for me was worse than LeBron. So how because because KD had a team where he he could have won a chip with them t with that team. I know he got problems with uh he couldn't deal with Westbrook as sources said, but that's something you can. You can you can you can talk that out over a meal. Uh, they was with they was winning. So the, so what they lost. So he come back again, but he jumped ship and and played for uh, Golden State. I thought like man, I don't know about that move. That was worse to me. That, to me, that was worse than what LeBron did. Well, the the way I see it, and this is something I've said to a lot of people over the years, is you can't defend what LeBron did back in two thousand ten, but then rip Durant. So for me. I think well, the true. moves right. are the same in principle. However, you make a good point because that they were uh, up 3-1 in that series against the Warriors, right, when he was okay. in the case. There's up 3-1. Yeah, then, then Steph Curry happened. And then um, and Clay Thompson happened in that situation. I think – I agree with you on that, Jules. I mean, he left a good situation because he couldn't deal with people. So the thing about it is, you're right. They could go sit down as men and chop it up and figure it out. Yeah. You know, you you had James Harden. You got him. You got you know. I mean, you, you had, you had a Baca. You had a Baca. I mean, you had they Reggie had, uh, Jackson. Stephen Adams. They had a young Oladipo. Yeah, Reggie Jackson. All that. So the the problem the problem basically with you know KD is that KD let his pride get in the way of wanting to be the man. He probably felt like he could never be the man in Oklahoma City, because because Westbrook. Basically, is so dynamic that he made that his he made that city his city, and he made that team his team. And KD didn't have the personality or the charisma to take it over at that point. I mean, KD, talent wise, has got more going for him than Westbrook gets a lot out of his body, a lot out of what he got. KD is KD is so smooth in terms of being able to put the ball on the court, pull up whenever mm -hmm. he want to. He can do anything he want on the court. I mean, Kobe Bryant said it best. That guy's the most dangerous young kid I ever played against because he could do everything. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't afraid of Westbrook. He wasn't afraid of Westbrook. He's afraid of KD because KD picked him up on defense. And this is Kobe at toward the end of his career. He still had to find ways to score for a guy that's damn near seven feet tall. That's like a Panther almost out there. I wow. mean, he's got I'll, the perfect just, basketball bill. I'll just say this, man. KD's the one of the most gifted offensive players I've probably ever. seen. Yeah, like hands down. Ever. I mean, Carmelo Anthony's number two for me because not, and people argue with me about that because, man, Melo scores like, Melo scores like people chew gum and walk. Easily. Easy. Easy. Right. Easy. He can't guard nobody. He ain't never guard nobody. KD can guard people. That's the difference between K. That's the difference between those two. We judge that other guy based on the fact that he's a terrible defender. We all know that. Right. But, but KD had everything. He threw it away. He threw it away. He went to Golden State. He won a championship out there, but he then, he then got then he had a, a mental breakdown out there. People said, "This is no, this is Steph's team," and he, you know, people were chirping to him. You know, you won't be you won't be considered to be a great in Golden State. And then, of course, that goes into his little like precious ego. I gotta go somewhere and be the man. So he leaves again and goes out to Brooklyn. Well, so one thing I wanted to, to jump in real quick on that, Novak, because you brought, you brought up a couple of things I wanted to let our audience kind of think about. 
so yeah, you're right. Uh, he did, you know, he risked his legacy too by leaving OKC to mm-hmm. go to Golden State. However, I think the media treated Durant a lot differently than they treated LeBron. And this may sound weird to say that because LeBron got crushed as well. But I think that the media tried to separate KD from his teammates because that first year when they were in, in uh, Golden State, those guys were playing seamlessly with each other. Mm-hmm. And then that media narrative basically just kept chipping away at those guys. And then that's when you saw Durant kind of peel away from his teammates because Steph, he made sure, even though that was his team, he made sure to welcome uh, KD with open arms. And, and uh, Steph even, he kind of like pulled his game back a little bit to accommodate Durant. So Steph, he went out of his, his uh he went out of his way to make sure that KD was comfortable there. I think that media separated those guys because that didn't happen in Miami. That Miami situation, it was them against the world. Yeah, it was them against the world. It was them against the world. There were there were chips in the armor, but that first year they were not on the same page. That second year they got on the same page because somebody had become the alpha. They let LeBron become the alpha and Wade decided to ride a shotgun. And that's the only reason yeah, why it worked out. He took a step back. He took a step right. back. And that, you know, and you know to be honest back, with you, right. Wade never recovered at taking that step back. He sacrificed his good years, excuse me, pretty much let LeBron shine. He took the ultimate sacrifice. That's the reason why they're friends right now. Because because to play with LeBron, you gotta sacrifice who you are. You gotta change everything about you in order to let him be in order to win a championship. He's the engine, and you gotta basically become somebody on the bus. That's pretty much the way it works. Yeah, like a like a transmission or something. Mm-hmm. And if you don't <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. And if, if you don't want to pop that transmission, then you know, hell, you out of town. And I think Miami, I think I think if there had been too much friction off season in Miami, I think they would have moved Wade or somebody to make Brian happy at this point. And, you know, because he gets what he wants at this point. Yeah, no, he he definitely does. I, I just man, when I think about this KD situation, man, I just wonder what would have been in Golden State because they were on their way of being that great dynasty. And with the way that the cap situation was uh, rolled up for them, if they could have worked that out with KD, I think that team would have just – it would have been sick for the league. Um, oh, yeah. It's just tough. Because also, too, when you see with that situation where KD and Draymond got into it on the sidelines, we all knew mm-hmm. what that was about. Yeah. But that's normal. That shit happens. It just so it just so that the camera was there when it happens. You know how many times Mike and cussed out Scotty and Scotty and said something back to Mike on his breath because he's scared to say it out loud. You know. <laughs> but you, you know, know what though? It but, it's, but it's but it's not what you say. It's, it's it's sometimes it's like how you say it. And when when Draymond basically called that man out of his name, mm-hmm. I mean you you already know. Yeah, because, but because KD he handled that way better than I would have been because. The, they, man, they would have hauled me off on him because you ain't gonna call me on my name like that. <laughs> but, but when you and you in sports, that happens. I think I call I call teammates out their name. It happens. Yeah, I know it ain't right. You, you would have caught some hands if you'd have called me out of mine. Yeah, I don't know what team? <laughs> right there, right there yeah. on, on play, on site. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, it happens, man. In those situations, you gotta understand when you out there and you competing like that at a high level, and everybody's good at what they do, and you see somebody fucking up, and you be like, "Look, motherfucker, I need you to do this." And they look at you, fuck you, and the next thing you know, somebody getting called a bitch. That happens. I've, I've been in those situations. And I can tell you like this, whatever, basically. It's how you deal with it afterwards. Yeah, somebody might, it might be an altercation after that. But at the end of the day, we should not eat pizza after, after I didn't call that man a name. Mm-hmm. He called me a name. That's how life works. Mm-hmm. The problem well, is, you, you know, know what, though? who that's raised how it these men? Work. 
That's well, how race. it should work because you should be able to chop it up like y'all said. Yeah, but that goes back to that comes especially you always say to me, who raised these men in that situation? You know, you know, these are guys raised by single black women. Right. And a lot of times, you know, there is no man there or somebody to tell you that men get into fights and altercations. And you say what you gotta say, you keep it moving. And the you, problem you're there, done with it. Right. You're done with it. You know, that's times you know, us people I'm really cool with. I we didn't get into arguments. We I'm talking about nasty arguments. Fuck you, fuck your mama. Nasty arguments. And these are things that happen. And and, and, the, and the mom could be and the mom could be in the same room and be like, oh my God, I thought we was cool. <laughs> and this this stuff this stuff happens. But you know, at the same time, you know, if 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 the rent if the rent's more mature about it, and and and, and you know, you know who was scared about his money at that point, because he's like, "Oh my God, we ain't gonna win no championship. People don't think I'm a fraud." That's what happened. That's what happened with our boy Draymond. Cause he was worried about himself. He was worried about winning no championship. He was scared that he'll get exposed, and he did get exposed. When KD left, we saw who Dr- Draymond Green is. He's a role player. He ain't no star. He's mm. a role player. Oh right, right. And mm-hmm. you know. No, Durant's so good. Durant's talent is so good, it makes everybody around him better. It even made it even took Steph to another level. And it took Clay to another level. Because you're in the room, you're in the room with greats. You're in the room with people that kick ass for a living. You can't, yeah, do, that. It, you can't it, do that with a bunch of bums. And and it turned Draymond into an even better role player. Oh, it made him it made, it made him the glue. He's the glue guy. He 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 is what he does all the dirty work the stars don't do. He's the person kicking people ass. He grabs, he's the Dennis Rodman. He's the ball grabber out there. He's the one out there grabbing, <laughs> touching everybody. And he, he keeps it all going. I mean, when the, none of those stars guarded LeBron, I mean, except for Durant on certain on certain on certain possessions. But Durant, you know, Draymond's off Draymond's defense on LeBron was instrumental in them winning those championships against them. He 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 really locked his ass up because that's his only job. You ain't asking him to score, you're not asking him to do anything else. You go guard that guy, you make his life a living hell. And that that's pretty much that's how that's how championship teams are uh, designed at that point. Now you you definitely right about that. Well, fellas, man, this is this was a fun one. This was really good. Novak, go in and hit them with the curtain call. Our final segment here. This curtain call goes to the Boys and Girls Club of Greenwich, Connecticut, who were the ultimate winners of the LeBron James Decision League Cleveland in 2010. They were the recipients of a 2.5 million dollar donation. That was ad revenue that was generated during the broadcast. Uh, the broadcast, you know, the decision broadcast itself was flawed, <laughs> and I and we all feel it was unnecessary. But there were some good things that came out of it. You know, I mean, those funds definitely helped change some kids' lives. You know, who were in question in that situation. So I think, you know, the decision was ultimately, I think, was a it was a bad idea, but they did do some good in the community. So I'm gonna let them slide for this one. <laughs> uh, Jules, hit us with that final thought. All right. So in today's episode, we talked about the decision, LeBron's decision to leave Cleveland to play for Miami, for Miami Heat. Because of that decision, he won back-to-back championship with that organization. Time went on again, and LeBron made another decision to go back to Cleveland to he wants to bring a championship back home. And you know what? He did. I believe the first one in franchise history, I believe. So... <laughs> so where will you be in the future not because of hope but because of your decision you are not just a, a manager of your life you are also a creator of your life if you want to know how to create your life you have to get hungry for something you have to make a decision there is something you want so bad that you unleash all your desire to the point you become obsessed with it for instance 
If you want to be healthy, well, I think I got to get in the gym or watch my, watch what I eat. If you want to have a family, well, I need a woman. Or if you're a woman, I need a man. For, you know, have some sex and have some kids. <laughs> if you want to be rich, well, I got to get into something that's going to make me some money. Or if you want to win championships, I must perfect my craft, give my teammates, perfect their crafts, and win something unitedly, you know, to win that championship. Or when your family asks you to start a podcast, not only any podcast, but the baddest podcast in the land, my decision said, hell yeah, let's do it. And that's what we're doing right now. So decision-making is the key. Decision-making uh, affects your life. Decision-making is the future, is the uh, force that shaped destiny. The decision that you made years ago, five, 10, 15 years ago, was one of the most important decisions of your life. Of course, if you make a different decision, you go in a different direction, your life will be completely different. So people who, so people make a decision and don't focus on what if that decision don't work out. If so, focus on what if I, what, what can I learn from making that decision to give you better experience to make better decisions? You know what? Some people don't even have the guts to make tough decisions. So they make no decision whatsoever. And you know what people, that's even a decision. So just make one. Just remember, our decisions, good or bad, determine on how we make them, not what the consequences were. What helped me in my decision-making comes from the book of Proverbs. Jesus said, in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Thank you for listening, Chris. Jules, thanks for that final thought. Novak, good job on that curtain call. As always, this podcast is sponsored by Samato Coffee. Smato Coffee believes that coffee has to be unique and high quality from bean to cup. To learn more about Samato Coffee, please visit them at somatocoffee.com. That's S-U-M-A-T-O-C-O-F-F-E-E.com. Use special pulling back the curtain discount code Ballers Coffee to receive a 25% discount off your order. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. As always, Thanks for your continued support. We're the Pulling Back the Curtain podcast. Thanks for listening. Peace.